This is Invest Talk. Independent thinking, shared success. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, December 5th, 2022 edition, and we are now into December. Christmas is only a few weeks away, and that means a new year and a continuation of this changing market, changing market dynamics. And today was an interesting day. It was our first real major red day uh, since early October. And what does that mean? Does that mean this rally's over? We'll talk about that. But ultimately, this show is about you. It's about your questions, about your needs, and helping put your portfolio in the proper balance. And when I say balance, it's uh, balanced against your goals and your risk tolerance levels and the current market conditions. So we've got a lot of work to do, but you've come to the right place. And I'm Justin Klein. I'm here on this radio show and podcast to help help you develop portfolio strategies and make better investment decisions. So I look forward to this hour on the Invest Talk podcast with you hearing your finance and investment questions. As always, the number is 888 chart I've got a lot of material to discuss with you today. So whether you're listening on the live stream, 4 to 5 Pacific time, or after hours, either way, give us a call. Let's hear your question. You drive the topics on this show. Now, my focus point concerns the story. What are the odds the Fed is doing too little too late? And this is an opinion from a well-respected economist, investor, etc. And historically, I've been very aligned with his thought process. But this is one of those instances where I'm not as much. Okay, so I think that's going to be interesting to dive into. Also, tax loss harvesting. Tax loss harvesting. This is the time of year. December is here. And this is when you start to think about it. Think about how much you should take, what you should sell at a loss, what maybe isn't worth selling at a loss, what are the different rules around it. I'm going to go over that because there are some pitfalls that you want to make sure you avoid. Okay. I also want to touch a bit on Blackstone and the Blackstone Real Estate Income Trust. Guess what? They're gating redemptions, meaning you can't get your money back. And this is the first of what I have been saying this for a while about these private equity funds and private REITs, not where you want to be. Historically, they've been just, they're not great. (laughs) They've been high fee, uh, no better than than market returns, even though they'll tell you that their returns are better. Um, But there's a lot of caveats to that and lack of liquidity, which you're starting to see now. So we're gonna look at that story. And then lastly, is the Fed doing a little stealth QE? I know they're saying they're doing QT right now, but there's an interesting little wrinkle based on what has 
what the, what a decade plus of QE had done, which is create a lot of excess reserves in the banking system. Now there's some shifts going on, and in some ways, it's creating more money in the system, which is more like QE. So we're going to look at that story. But ultimately, I want to hear from you. We're going to get to your voice bank questions. We're going to get into a question about rolling a 403B into a Roth IRA. And then Falcon Gold Corp, FG. We're going to get those two calls done today, but also your live calls. We also have some perspective on bull and bear markets coming up. Now, let's look at the market today. We had a decidedly down day. U.S. markets were down about 2%. Small caps down about 2.7% on the back of the strong dollar. And it was really because of not the jobs number. I think everyone kind of saw through the jobs data last uh, last week, last Friday. But it was really the ISM report that came out today. And the ISM services PMI, that came in a tick higher from 54.4 to 56.5. And services are two-thirds of the economy. And so... That's a positive uh, for the economy in general. And then you have prices paid index that actually ticked down, but not that much from 70.7 to 70. And those are the two most important numbers to look at because you're seeing what the economy is doing kind of near term. And then what is inflation doing? And that services prices paid index has a strong correlation to CPI. And I think that was the, that was really what pushed Interest rates up today, the dollar up, and markets down. Basically saying, oh, the odds of the Fed only doing 50 basis points next week are now lower. And I couldn't disagree with it more. So I'm not really buying this this down day unless we see some fall through. We'll see some. We'll see what we have tomorrow. Um, but it wasn't really an economic data that I think would push the Fed one way or the other. I think their path is still for a slowdown. And I actually... As we get more and more data going into the first quarter and into February, which will be the next Fed meeting after this one, I have I strongly believe that this is the last Fed rate hike of this cycle. Okay. Now it's Monday. The market is consistently changing. And that doesn't mean you panic. Doesn't mean that you freeze. It's about taking the data that's in front of you and investing based on the realities on the ground, not based on what you wish or hope the market would be or how politicians would be or how the Fed would act or whatever. It's what is. And that's what we are here to help you do. Okay. To answer your finance and investment questions so you can put all the pieces together. So you set the agenda. So give me a call now at 888-99-CHART. In today's world, a variety of factors are affecting the stock markets. Serious investors know building a secure financial future requires hard work and determination. That's why now, more than ever, when it comes to the planning, execution, and maintenance of your portfolio, you need InvestTalk. With total downloads nearing 50 million, each InvestTalk podcast should be one of your key financial planning and educational tools. InvestTalk is a free download. And hosts Justin Klein and Steve Peasley 
stand ready to provide their unbiased guidance and professional analysis developed from real-time data research and years of investing experience. 24-7, rain or shine, during smooth sailing or on rough weather days, the Invest Talk listener line is open and waiting for your questions. You set the agenda. Don't forget to call Invest Talk 888-99 Chart. In today's environment, it can be difficult to evaluate and then adequately adjust for the hazards introduced by the various forces affecting the markets. So, KPP Financial is preparing a special new webinar. Income Opportunities in a Rising Rate World. This free online webinar will be presented live on Thursday, December 15th at 2 p.m. Pacific Time. Learn more and register now at investtalk.com. Hi, uh, this is Nick from Manhattan Beach calling in for Steve or Justin about Talos Energy, ticker T-A-L-O. It's a Gulf of Mexico oil producer, energy producer calling because I think it is undervalued at a uh, trailing PV of under four and a price of under $20. So calling for you guys' opinion on whether this be a good long-term investment. Thanks. Bye. All right. Looking at Tallow Energy, this is a pretty small cap, even for, even after its recent run all the way from a low of 550 or so, up to $19.29 today. And, you know, it is definitely cheap if you're looking based on forward-looking earnings, but understand that this is a business that has historically been all over the place. And, you know, it, this is a, a very risky way to get leverage to oil prices. Uh, you remember that this is a company that drills in the Gulf of Mexico. I'm assuming deep water. Let me see. Yeah, offshore exploration production. Yeah, so it's an expensive way to get oil. So when oil is not that high, it struggles, loses money, issues debt, issues shares, and historically has had pretty poor return on equity, return on assets. But right now, it's probably return on assets the highest it's been. Let's see, since when? Ever? Looking back five years, 10 years. Yeah. Basically, since it's been public. Uh, did it go public recently? Let's zoom back out here. Yeah, it looked like they went bankrupt. Did they go bankrupt? Yeah, they went bankrupt. And then they came out of it. So that's what you're dealing with here. It's a very inconsistent, risky play. And I don't need that. I don't need that. I, you know, in, in an economy or a, an energy market where there are a lot of quality players with quality balance sheets, quality history of good management. Why would I want to hitch my ride to something that is so small, operates in such a risky part of the energy market? And these other names are going to be able to go in and invest and, and just execute better. And so I like where you're looking in general in the energy space, although it is a bit overbought over, uh, right now. Um, but this isn't one I would be buying. It's just the risk versus reward here doesn't do it for me. Thanks for the call.
Now, my focus point concerns this question. What are the odds the Fed is doing too little too late? And this is coming from Mohammed El Arian. He is the president of the Queen's College at the University of Cambridge. He also used to be the co-CIO or CEO of PIMCO, the largest bond trading company in the world. And he said, quote, if anything, this week's numbers suggest the Fed is still doing too little too late. Inflation remains a problem. Yes, it is coming down, but it's not coming down fast enough, end quote. And this is in reaction to Friday's jobs report at 263,000 jobs created, better than expected. Although I have a lot of problems with the way the number is uh, has been reported, still more, still shrinkage in full-time jobs, uh, increase in part-time jobs. There were issues with seasonality adjustments, et cetera. Uh, but overall, wages grew, uh, were up 5.1% from a year ago and up 0.6% month over month, the fastest pace since January. And I think that's the issue here is inflation is going to remain sticky, but the Fed's not going to be able to do anything about that. There's not. The issue is labor force participation. Dropped to 62.1 last month from 63.4 pre-pandemic. And fewer workers means tighter jobs market, means higher wages. And that's kind of a good thing. As long as other parts of the market are not accelerating. Parts of the economy in prices, meaning rents, physical goods. Spending on services. That's really where the sticky part is, but services are more labor intense. So I think, but but if you look at rents, you look at housing, you look at physical goods, those are all coming down in price. And so I actually think this is a good situation overall. And I, I disagree with he's saying, yeah, the Fed's slamming on the brakes. They've been slamming on the brakes, but monetary policy has long and variable lagging effects. And so... I actually think the Fed, it makes more sense to pause and see where this goes over the next six months. Let all of this feed into the economy. And guess what? All the other indicators, M2 growth, especially showing you inflation is going to come down through next year to what level we'll see where it levels out. But I disagree with Mohamed Elia. I, I, I don't think that the economic data is saying the Fed needs to be more aggressive at all. At all. I actually, it continues to reiterate that you know, slowing the pace makes sense. Now we're heading into a break. Phone lines are open, ready for you at 888-99-CHART. The holiday season is here. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are on duty and they welcome your finance and investment questions. Call Talk 888-99-CHART. Yeah, hi, Justin and Steve. This is James from New Jersey. Longtime listener. Thanks for everything you guys do. I'm interested in moving my 403B over to a Roth IRA. I know that you guys have talked about this before, but can you just explain that process once again? And then if my wife and I file jointly, would I be then able to open up two Roth IRAs, one for me and one for her, if we still fall under that annual income. Again, thank you so much. And I look forward to hearing your response on the next podcast. Bye. 
Well, I'll start off with the 403B. And that's pretty simple. 403B, 401k, workplace retirement account, etc. You can roll that into a Roth IRA. If you hadn't paid tax on it, if it wasn't a Roth 401k or a Roth 403b before, all of that would be taxable to you in that given year. So you want to be cognizant of the tax consequences there. The simplest thing would be roll it into an IRA. We do this all the time for new clients to come aboard, open up an IRA, give them instructions on how to basically have their 401k, 403b provider send a check to, in our instance, TD Ameritrade, whatever broker that you're going to open up the IRA or Roth IRA with make a check payable to them for benefit of your name, and then it deposits into that IRA. Uh, I always say it's best to just start off with an IRA. You can always convert it to a Roth IRA, part of it or all of it in the future. Uh, so that's probably the best way to go. So you can manage the tax implications of getting into a Roth IRA, but your thought process of eventually getting into a Roth IRA uh, at a low tax rate is a smart way of thinking, something you should be um, planning for. Now, when it comes to your wife filing jointly, filing, it doesn't matter how, how you guys are filing. You, anybody can open up a Roth IRA or an IRA, either one or both. It's not about opening. It's about the contributions. And there are limits, uh, deductibility limits on traditional IRA contributions. There are income limits for Roth IRA contributions. These are all things you should talk to your accountant about because they're going to have intimate knowledge of uh, your income and the tax code, etc. So opening of them, fine. Contributions, that's a consult consultation with your tax advisor. Right. Now, speaking of taxes, it is now tax loss harvesting season. And this is basically when you... Uh, sell some assets that have fallen in value and use that to offset capital gains liabilities to reduce your overall tax bill. And you ideally want to do this to also rebalance your portfolio. There's too many people that do it simply for tax purposes. And, you know, you don't want to sell something if it now is in an uptrend and, you know, has a lot more upside over the next month or two. Okay. Now, the crypto market, it's not under the same, uh, what is called the wash rule, which I'll get to in a minute. So that's an area that there's a lot of losses for people. So you can take uh, losses there. Now, the S&P as of Friday down 13.3, that's going to be closer to over 15% now after today's move. The aggregate bond index, that's down about 11.4. So a lot of people have losses out there. Okay. Now you can use excess losses to offset gains in short term or long term, vice versa. Okay. And you can use if you have additional losses above basically the break even above 3000, you can you can offset up to 3000 of your ordinary income with losses in your portfolios, your taxable portfolios, remember IRAs, 401ks, this doesn't matter. And you can carry that over next year. So if you have a loss of 6,000, you can take 3,000 this year and carry that over for 3,000 in the next year as well. Now you have to examine this closely though, especially if you're in lower tax brackets because taxpayers with income below certain levels, 40,400 for single filers, 80,800 for married couples filing jointly, 
you could be in a lower tax bracket for short-term gains because you have low income and you potentially have a long-term capital gains rate of zero. So if you're maybe in retirement, you're earning a whole lot, uh, this is something to consider, okay? Now, what is the wash rule? This is where people get kind of, uh, they get mixed up. Now, this states that investors cannot sell an asset such as stock, bond, mutual fund at a loss, then rebuy it at a substantially identical asset within 30 days before or after the sale. Before, that's important too, before or after. Everyone thinks about after, but you can't do it. You can't say, I'm going to buy it now, a week before you sell the asset that's identically similar. And a good example is that is the SPY and the VOO. These are both ETFs that track the S&P. These are definitely substantially identical. Yeah, one's by Spiders, one's by Vanguard, but you're investing in the same thing. Okay, so you can't, if you have a loss in SPY, you can't go buy VOO today and then go sell SPY in a week and say, I'm going to write off the loss in SPY. It doesn't work that way. Okay. Uh, another one, another thing to consider, I get, we get questions on this, is the wash rule applies not just to an individual's trading, but to everyone in that individual's household and other accounts he or she has some amount of control over. So you, I've heard people say, I want to sell it in my taxable account. And I want to go buy it in my, wa- in my wife's Roth IRA. No, that's in the same household. You have control over it, etc. That would trigger the wash rule and you would not be able to take that loss. So understand those intricacies. And number one is, I see too many people. This is one of the most common mistakes. People avoiding taxes and they take their eye off the broader goal of asset allocation and risk 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 uh, targeting etc and so don't let the tax tail wag the dog now we're heading into a break so give me a call at 888-99-CHART let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language okay why i mean how would it come in handy and where would you want to use it could it be that you have an upcoming international trip Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture. I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value. So your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com slash today. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. 
AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. One of the most rewarding things I do each weekday is host the Invest Talk podcast. I truly enjoy helping investors, and I know that every question counts and every answer I provide will be unbiased. You, the caller, get to chart the course for each Invest Talk podcast. Call with your questions anytime, day or night, 888 99Chart. Hi, Steve and Justin. Kevin calling from La Crescenta. First, I uh, just want to start with uh, Happy Holidays season to you guys. Something funny is um, I got my Spotify end of year summary and I saw that I had listened to you guys for 10,700 minutes I think this year. So uh, spent a lot of my life with you guys. My question today is I have Fidelity National Financial ticket symbol FNF. Looks like they spun off or gave me some shares of another company ticker symbol is FG and it's a F and G Annuities and Life Incorporated. I didn't look much at it, so I'm trying to see what your thoughts are on this new company that I'm holding, uh, see if you think it's worth holding on to or if uh, I should just get rid of it. Appreciate your help as always. Thank you. All right, this is F and G Annuity and Life, and this is an interesting one because, yeah, it is a spinoff from uh, – Fidelity National Financial, and this is a broker of insurance products and offers annuities, life insurance pro pro policies. Uh, and I worry a couple of things. One is spinoffs the first year don't do well. So I don't think this is going to do well the first year, mainly because there's a lot of people like you. They want to own FNF. They don't want to own FG. They don't even know what FG is. So they typically just sell it. So I would sell it before everyone else does, number one. And number two is I don't love the longer term trajectory of that business just because there's too many bad incentives within the uh, annuity business, uh, the best interest legislation that continues to kind of muddle through Congress and, and the regulators, I think will eventually get passed, which makes it much more difficult to justify selling high commission products like annuities and whole life and universal life policies. And so, as 
more light gets shined on that industry and 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 you're already seeing it uh you're, you're gonna see that business i just don't think do too well so i would just sell it and simply move on thanks for the call now let's keep things moving and play two in a row from 888.99 chart hello this is brian from ohio i was wanting to know what your take on vf corporation was that's ticker symbol v as in victor F as in Foxtrot, and C as in Charlie. I was really wanting to know if the dividend was sustainable and safe at this time. Thank you. All right, this is VF Corp. And one of the best apparel makers, really in the world, they own many of the most recognized brands in the apparel space like the North Face, Timberland, Supreme, Dickies, Vans. And they've been a consistent performer for a long period of time, except for lately. But their their business prospects has have not declined nearly as much as you would imagine from the stock price. The stock price hit a high in 2019 of $100 per share. Now it's at 29.50 at the close today. It's 52 week low is at 26.46. So down 70 plus percent for a business that is typically consistently profitable. This is on my potential buy list. Now what's not lining up though for me is simply the chart. The technicals remain very weak. And even today, I know it was a down day, but VF Corp itself was down 11%. See, was there news on it? Ah, profit warning. There you go. CEO exit. There we go. Okay, I, I didn't see this today. But yeah, so <clears throat> see what it was. They now expect to earn $2 to 220 per share for the full year. Analysts currently expecting 241 so that's something the market didn't like. And it looks like the CEO is stepping down. There you go. So the market doesn't like that. But it's still earning two bucks. And it's trading at 29 now. It's a low teens multiple, probably a bit too high for the current earnings pro projections. You know, $100 per share, that was just insane. 2019, they only made 250. 2018, they made 340. Uh, this goes to show you paying 35 times earnings in a good market is not really a good place to be. Now, when it comes to the dividend, let's look at its payout ratio. Currently, its payout ratio based on earnings is 183%, but the cash dividend payout ratio is negative because they have negative free cash flow. And that's really the issue here. Uh, I think they could be headed for cutting that dividend. You know, if they have new management team, are they going to be tied to that dividend? Probably not. Probably going to reshuffle the businesses, the brands, maybe sell off some of the underperforming brands, et cetera. So, you know, this is a name it continues to be on my watch list, but I, I need the technicals to line up with the longer term profitability metrics that we're used to seeing. And I want to see some assemblies that are going to start returning to that old level of profitability. And today's news didn't really back that up. So keep it on your watch list, but I would not be buying it today. Now, when people take the time to leave an Invest Talk review on iTunes, I'd like to thank them for the courtesy by getting to their questions quickly. 
Barut Don says, I've been looking at to add a high yield stock with long-term growth potential to an IRA. UHT has popped up on my radar as it has paid 36 years of increasing dividends. Is the dividend a Aristocat and is down 60% off its high? I can wait years for the price to appreciate while it pays a 5% dividend at the bottom of the all-time PE. It is a medical property REIT. What do you think? I think that's your, your issue here is just uh, it being a REIT and its earnings are falling. The technicals are improving. I will give it that. So that's a positive. It owns hospitals, acute care hospitals, rehabilitation hospitals, freestanding emergency departments, subacute facilities, and medical office buildings, as well as child care centers. Interesting. Well diversified here in Arizona, Nevada, and Texas is where they're, um, over half of their properties are located. I like those areas. Uh, I like I like those states that they're in. Hmm. Let me look at their debt profile. Not a ton of debt compared to its size. You know, overall, I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. It's now above the 200 moving average. It's strength recently, especially compared to other REITs, has been very good. It's now in an uptrend. So I'm going to give UHT a thumbs up. Modest debt. I like where the, they're located. Uh, and so UHT, thumbs up. Now we're moving in, moving at a steady pace towards the end of the year, just a few more weeks remaining. And the question is, are you prepared for the changing market dynamics? Is your financial future prepared? Well, if you are having trouble figuring that out, figuring that right path, that confident path, well, probably makes sense to step into a free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go to meeting with myself or Steve Peasley at our company, KPP Financial where we practice parallel investing, means we invest right alongside our clients, and we provide unbiased guides, both on and off air. So if you want to schedule a call with me, free, no obligation, just head over to investtalk.com or give our office a call at 800-557-5461. We'd love to help you in any way. Just a few minutes on the phone can certainly do wonders. Now this is Invest Talk. Next up, we'll play another listener question, so hang on. In today's environment, it can be difficult to evaluate and then adequately adjust for the hazards introduced by the various forces affecting the markets. So, KPP Financial is preparing a special new webinar, Income Opportunities in a Rising Rate World. The webinar will be led by KPP Principal and InvestTalk host, Justin Klein. This free online webinar will be presented live on Thursday, December 15th at 2 p.m. Pacific Time. Learn more and register now at investtalk.com. Serious investors know building a secure financial future requires hard work and determination. That's why now, more than ever, when it comes to the planning, execution, and maintenance of your portfolio, you need InvestTalk. The InvestTalk listener line is open. Don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Hey guys, I just left my company that I was with for about four years. I had a Roth 401k with them that I received a match on. Now that I left, I'm just wondering, what do you recommend I do with those funds? Would you leave them that company's program or would you do a rollover? Just curious, get you guys' thoughts. Thanks. 
Right, this one's very easy. Roll it into a Roth IRA. You already paid taxes on it in the Roth 401k. And you're going to, if you're going to leave it there, you're going to be locked into those funds. Some of them good, some of them average, probably some of them poor. Uh, you're probably picking from 15 to 20 different funds. And when you roll it into a Roth IRA, you can go invest in individual stocks, ETFs, other mutual funds, individual bonds. You can do a lot with it. You can run a cover call strategy. You can do a lot with a, 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 a Roth IRA. So that's the simple and easy way to get the money out of there and invest in whatever you like. All right. Thanks for the call. Now let's touch on a recent headline, which is about the Blackstone Real Estate Fund and or Real Estate Income Trust, excuse me. Blackstone Real Estate Income Trust, commonly known as BREIT, B-R-E-I-T. And this was uh, last Thursday. They posted a letter on their website. And basically, they're saying they're not allowing redemptions or they're limiting redemptions to 2% of net asset value in the month of October. And it can't go above 5% for the whole quarter. So you so so no, they won't liquidate more than 5% of their total assets in one given quarter. Think about that. So if they're only liquidating 5% of their assets in any, any given quarter, that's 20% a year, it's gonna take five years for them to sell it all. Now, this is a one of the largest non-traded REITs, real estate investment trusts out there. And that's a value of $69 billion. And has really been a growth engine for Blackstone itself. And it helped the private equity firm attract a lot of smaller clients that wanted to get into private assets. And as I've been warning you here, these private assets, they look good on paper. But when it comes to reality, not so much. Why is that? Well, they said this year it's up 9.3% year to date. 13% annualized since they started, uh, I think, six or seven years ago. And they distributed 4.4%. That's nice. But the big question is that top side. The returns, 9.3%. Is that really what they're earning? Most REITs are down. Very unlikely. Now, a Blackstone spokesperson says, quote, our business is built on performance, not fun flows and performance is rock solid. Well, yeah, when you can mark your assets to whatever you want, it's easy to say you have good performance. It's happening in the private equity space as well. Now, they have assets spanning logistics facilities, apartment buildings, casinos, medical office parks, etc. And 70% of the redemptions requested last month came from Asia. So that was interesting because only about 20% of their total assets are investments from Asia. But how did they meet some of these redemptions? They sold one big property or they sold the interest in one big property. It's 49.9% stake in MGM Grand Las Vegas and the Mandalay Bay to its co-owner, Vici Properties. And so they're using that $1.27 billion in cash to cover its redemptions. And 
it, this is interesting because this is the history of private REITs in general. And there's a lot of these private REITs that were not sold. The old private REITs, they were sold through conference rooms at hotels. You'd go to a webinar, a seminar uh, and get pitched it and, and you'd, you'd invest in it. That's how it used to be. Now there are websites that are selling private REITs like Fundrise is a good example. There's many out there. And I get a, I get a lot of questions. Should I invest more? Should I invest in, you know, in, in these in these real estate investments through some sort of a website? And I would say this is simply just a private REIT. They're going to tell you what it's worth, but in reality when you go to sell it, it's probably not going to be worth that much. You have to take some discount. You're not going to be able to get you all your money out at once. And just because they slap some fancy graphics on a website and throw some numbers out there doesn't mean that these are great investments. So I always say, if you want to invest in REITs, that's great, but there are plenty of fantastic REITs out there in the public marketplace and their performance is as good, if not better than the vast majority of what you're going to find in the private market. And they're going to be liquid. You can go sell it tomorrow. You're not going to get gated like Blackstone just did to a lot of its fund holders. And this is not going to be the last. This is the first of many of these private REITs that are going to get gated as well as the private equity space. Now, this is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here is to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So get your questions in now at 888 chart Each day, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. Let's go talk to Dan in New York looking at BlackRock. Hi, Justin. Uh, thanks so much for the program. Yeah, this is Dan from New York. Um, a couple of years ago, I got BlackRock, B-L-K, mm-hmm. as well as Berkshire Hathaway B, B-R-K-B. I'm really looking just to simplify my strategy, and I'm wondering if I should just double down on buying those two stocks for the next few years. Um, I can listen on the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a simple strategy because Berkshire is basically a value-type mutual fund. You think about the type of assets that it, that it holds. It has some energy assets, some transportation assets, some financial assets, industrial assets. It doesn't have a whole lot of tech. It owns Apple shares, things like that. But it, it's pretty pretty a diversified fund basically. And then BlackRock is the largest asset manager in the world, right? About $8 trillion in assets that are managed at the end of September. 50% equity strategies, 30% fixed income, 8% multi-asset class, 9% money market, 3% alternatives. About two-thirds of its assets are in passive funds. So that's the biggest risk here. Uh, I talked about this on the show last week is that money is going to probably start flowing or has already and will continue to flow out of passive and into active. 
you know, I said these are long-term trends and we went through a long trend where active underperformed. Now we're starting to our active outperforms. So that's probably the biggest risk to BlackRock in general. But with that being said, it's tied to asset prices. So if asset prices in general go up, stocks, bonds, etc., BlackRock's going to make more money. And it's kind of a leveraged bet because, you know, their AUM fees probably aren't going to change a whole lot. And if asset values are up, well, they earn same percentage on higher valued assets. So that is very simple. Frankly, probably if you're going to own SPY, I'd rather own this. Right? Now, is it perfect? No. I'd rather own energy, industrials, etc. But I like what you're saying with simplifying your strategy. It's a good company. Now, let's put it back to another listener question that came in earlier from Seattle on 888.99 chart. Hey, Stephen Justin. This is Ryan in Seattle. I'm calling about a company, RLI Corp, ticker symbol RLI. This is an insurance company I've been looking at via screener, and it has a pretty low beta. And I'm just curious if you guys have any thoughts on the company itself and whether or not this is likely to remain a low beta stock over a long period of time. All right, I'll listen on the show. Thank you. All right, this is RLI, underwrites property and casualty insurance. And the company offers insurance coverage in the specially admitted market where the products are designed for special risks. I like this business. This is typically a good business. Why? It doesn't have a lot of competition. They're not, it's not car loans, car, car insurance, where they're just simply mainly competing on price. They're writing specific types of uh, insurance and the underwriting process is more expensive, but the margins are good. And you can see that with the consistency of the profitability in this business. Turn on assets, about 12%. Currently, that's higher than normal, but it typically ranges right around 4%. And then return on equity typically sits around uh, 20%. It's good. So I, I like the consistency of the business. Now, I think they're over-earning right now. Re earnings were up. Sorry, revenues up 218% year over year. Why is that? That's probably a one-off thing. Earnings were down 11%. So I think it's overbought. But I like it. I like what you're looking at. Let's look at their debt. Yeah, they have a bunch of cash in their balance sheet. Yeah, the beta's low because they have so much cash. Not a volatile name. So, yeah, not a high dividend. This is the type of name. 0.8% dividend. Everyone's in love with the dividend, five, six, seven percent. I much rather own this business. Maybe not right now. Like I said, it's a little overbought. But this is the type of name I rather own. Can easily grow its dividend. It's consistent dividend or uh, uh, consistent cash flow and earnings. I much rather own this than something that's yielding five, six percent and business is just so so. So I'm giving RLI thumbs up. I'm Justin Klein. This is another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. And we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which you can find anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, 
It's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening, and your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.